0: Hello, podcast listeners. This is a big deal for us. No photos, please. No photos. We're going to talk about celebrity encounters, including one I just had with a sitcom star from the ABC days of not too long ago. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode paparazzi free of JJ Meets World. And by the way, if you'd like to help support our podcast, visit JJMeetsWorld.com where you can donate to our Patreon pick up some killer swag at our merch shop or click the link to Apple Podcast and give us a five-star review. One, two, three, four. <laughs>
1: J.J. Gordon, sort of like that Indiana Jones in that he's always sniffing out his next adventure. Yes, he is! He's always interviewing guests so he can have them on his show and they
0: can talk about pop culture, arts, and leisure. J.J. has his flag unfurled and he likes his french fries curled and he's fun and then he twirls as he goes to meet the world. He will march into the rain even if his ankle sprain. Take a peek inside his brain. This podcast is called J.J. Meets World. Tucker last night I went to a one woman show in Minneapolis that I had heard great things about from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and featured one of my favorite sitcom stars Eden Sure.
1: Eden Sure what was she, what
0: sitcom was she in? She was in a sitcom called The Middle that had Patricia he- uh, Heaton, Neil Flynn and it was about a family in Indiana. Imagine like um Imagine if they had, had like taken literally like any middle class family sitcom and just was like, we'll do that again. And
1: <laughs> I, mean, I think they I, like, did that a thing, number of times.
0: The, it, it's, it's a very enjoyable show. I, I like it. I think Neil Flynn's very funny as the dad because he's so like they play him as a guy who has like zero emotion to it. And Eden sure played Sue Heck, who is the daughter in this family. There are three kids and she's the middle child. And her character is written throughout the entire series as like completely joyful. Somebody who absolutely loves being involved in stuff. The running gag is she tries out for everything at school and never makes it. So she tries out for track team. She tries out for drama club. She wants to be a cheerleader and she just never makes it in. But then she gets really excited because she can do something like, Oh, I can help with lights in the play. And, um, She's also very forgettable even to her teachers. So the one time she thinks she's going to get acknowledged is when she wins the attendance record for best attendance. And they're like, no, you've been marked absent like 25 times. And they're like, what? And it's because her teachers literally just don't see her in class. They look right (laughs) past her. So... um, But Sue Heck, like one of those relentlessly optimistic characters, right? So who doesn't love that? Who doesn't love, you know, that one character who amongst a bunch of cynics just sees the silver lining in everything. Um, At one point, they're cleaning out their house for spring cleaning, and she cannot part with a set of hair curlers because she thinks that if she gives them away, the hair curlers will be sad and think Uh like, oh, um, You know, why didn't she love me more? Why didn't she hold on to me? So that's the kind of character that Sue Heck is. So Eden sure makes this one woman show called I was on a sitcom. And I think, oh, this is going to be great. This one woman show will be all about her telling stories of like being Sue Heck and what, what it was like. And, you know, that that celebrity where she's not top tier, but she's certainly recognizable by a lot of people. So. I buy tickets in advance including meet and greet passes. Jill and cool. I go down, we go to the show. The show is pretty much zero to do with the making of their her television show and is 97% about her having a horrific birth story to her twin daughters. Okay. Um, Including with it, she like explains the difference between fraternal and identical twins. Um, and like it's not bad by any means, but like it certainly wasn't as what I expected. Two women in my row who were audibly talking said, This is horrible, and got up and walked out. Oof,
1: ouch, <laughs> right? Ouch. Um, so the this, show is was, a little bit different. Was this a personal story? Was this her personal it, story?
0: It, her personal story, it is her actual story, and so. And like I follow her on Instagram, so I know that she had two kids and I know that like she was massive and they came early. So they're preemies and her NICU experience. And it was like the bulk of the show is her explaining what happened like during the actual birth, um, not like all the lead up to it and things like that. So included with this, she also has a moment where she just describes someone coming up to her essentially at the grocery store and says like, are you sure you're supposed to be here? Sue heck. And then she talks about how like, that's just a character I played and it doesn't define who I am as a person. And when someone only sees Sue and not Eden, it like bums her out and it makes her realize that she's part of two people. And, um, what it felt like to me was, so you're shaming us for, and like people are there wearing costuming from this sitcom. Really? Yeah. Like her older brother, he and his like two buddies in the show start a company where they can all be the bosses called (laughs) Bosco and people (laughs) made Bosco shirts. Um, People made Orson athletic department, which is the name of the high school that she went to like shirts. So we're all there as fans of hers because we love this character she played. And in the first five minutes of the show, she literally is telling us like, you know, it's when people come up and only recognize me as Sue and treat me like Sue and call me Sue instead of by my name. It makes me, it makes me feel bad. And so, yeah, but
1: that's what she did though. Like was, would, would, was she known for other stuff?
0: i recognize one thing i think she was in um she was in an episode of superstore which is the only other time that i've seen her um an episode an episode and like she was on this sitcom for nine years and then when they were trying to spin off the show she was the character they were going to spin off um like for example like it, after I, afterwards I did a bunch of research about her character and like a funny bit that apparently I didn't get to in the television show is her name is Sue Sue Heck because they accidentally put her first name twice on her birth certificate so okay. it's Sue Sue Heck and I'm like that is funny stuff you should talk more about that stuff anyway so we we go through the show, it's 75 minutes long, during which she keeps having to run to the back of the stage to spit mucus into uh Kleenexes? Yeah. And she explains, she's like, I got this weird thing where like when I started doing the show, like I get this weird like kind of acid reflux and it makes mucus. And so I gotta what? I gotta spit this out. And so and then like twice during the show, she like belched. like and listen i i can tell when things are part of a show and when they're not part of a show those were not part of the show (laughs) not only that but it's clear that she wrote this herself and so she might have been a little too close to the um to the subject matter and it's like hey listen I enjoyed you on the sitcom way more. And maybe you should have asked some of the writers from that sitcom to come and Perfect. help with this again. She's
1: like, my art is me. It's, it's in your face. It's right. Uh, and it's, it's real. Yeah, I can smell it shit.
0: from the back row. I can smell your Belch arch art from the back row.
1: Did she, um, you're saying she like explained to the audience, by the way, a couple times you're going to see me do this. Here's why. So she does it for the first time.
0: Like she's out there in the middle of like a monologue. And then all of a sudden she like runs to the back of the stage and like like out of the light and everything like that, but still like on the stage. Like this place didn't have wings; it just it just was the stage. And so she runs to the back, and then you kind of hear like, <laughs> and then so she comes back, and then she explains that she makes this mucus. And so she, it happens so much during this show that at one point she's like, "This is the most has ever happened. There must be the weather up here." And we're sitting there going like, "Oh," and like she's How much just were tickets? <laughs> $50 a piece for the meat and greet, And like they, here's the thing, the mucus that she was making and having to like spit because like she spits it into this <laughs> napkin and then puts the napkin on the stool that's on the stage. So we can watch these mucus napkins keep adding up. Right.
1: Ick. <laughs> um. None of this will be in the uh, podcast title. No, I, I can't imagine. I'm, I'm listening for a line to happen, and so far there's Not nothing. There.
0: So we we get in line for the meet and greet, and I've done meet and greets for all sorts of different things, and in this one we get in line. This is a little tiny theater in like downtown Minneapolis. There's so many people, and like the weather is unseasonably nice for January, and so everyone's got their coats, but no one needs it. It's like 40 degrees outside, and it clearly the heat was on in this in this little theater, but it didn't need to be. So now everyone's swelteringly hot. It's taking forever, forever, forever. So we're all in the lobby and then we get in this cattle train and no one's in charge of like this. So like there's like two lines that have formed, like two chunks of people. And so a couple of people from this one go and then a couple of people from this. And at one point, you're sort of like, who is going to be in charge of these lines? Let's get so let's get a line. Like someone just is in charge of the line and make it happen. But so we finally get there. Once we get into the part of the line that is now in the theater waiting to like have the meet and greet with her on stage, Jill and I decide, you know what, we're going to go up and get the picture and be done because you can see people going up there and like fangirling on her and stuff like that. But we're like, we'll just get the picture and go because neither of us are like over the moon. And literally she's told this story about how, she you know like she doesn't want to be known as Sue Heck she wants to be known as Eden Sherry and I'm like okay well I came here expecting Sue Heck more or less so um,
1: but I mean you guys drove out there you paid the tickets you're like you might as well get every little ounce out of it that you can
0: right exactly and like and in all honesty what what am I going to do I'm going to talk to her and be like hey I really enjoyed watching your show so much Um, that's why I came to this (laughs) You know, or I'll be like, two ladies left in my row after audibly saying, "This is horrible." Like, (laughs) what am I going to say in this situation? So we finally get up there, and the the two people in front of us, when I say actor Billy Connolly, do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. The guy, the dad in front of us, looks just like Billy Connolly. That curly gray hair and big old like beard, like goatee beard type thing. (laughs) And his son is a younger version of him And he's got black curly hair So the They're right in front of us And then the group who's right in front of them Go up there and they're really excited Because they're like hey Um, you know, we're starting a podcast where we watch every episode of the middle and we kind of do a breakdown of it. And she's like, Oh, actually one of my other co-stars and I are doing the same thing. And they're like, Oh, we didn't know that. And she's like, it's not released yet. I can't talk too much about it, but it's, it's coming. But you know, you do yours too. We will see who, you know, (laughs) what what people like. And I don't think she was trying to be rude, but like, it really came off as like you, you know, like I'm going to do something better and we're actually in the show. And I'm like, listen, judging from the one woman show that I just watched you do, I might want to hear these kids from Minnesota do it even more. (laughs) So then the two guys in front of us go up and this kid and this kid by, by kid, I mean, like somewhere between like 16 and 21 is what I'd gauge for age is. Just like, you know, you say, you you know, like this character saved my life. I was a real weirdo and Sue was a weirdo. And I watched, you know, all this cool stuff she did. And just like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, I know. Right. You know, like, yeah, Sue was an odd duck. And they're having this back and forth conversation that just like I can tell it means a lot to him. Right. It means a lot to tell her that his life was made better by watching her in this role on this show, which again makes me think she just told us she doesn't want to be only known as this. And I'm like, what a great gift you have. Like people are coming up to you almost 10 years after the show is done and saying, you changed my life by, you know, portraying this character in this way. I'm like, you should, you should, a person should be so lucky to be able to hear that like on a regular basis. So Jill and I literally go up like this. Like everyone's been going up and like chatting with her for like a couple minutes. And then they hand their phone to the PA and the PA takes a photo. And then you know they leave and everyone's got. I literally walk straight up to the PA, hand them my phone. We get up to her and we're like, we just want a photo. And she's like, oh, uh, uh, and we're like, click, thanks, bye. <laughs> and I he- hear her yell after us. She's <laughs> like, well, I guess it was nice to meet me. <laughs> um. And I just think I was like, you know, if it hadn't, if it hadn't been for the fact that I purchased these meet and greets, I don't know if I would have stayed or hung back. Right. Again, right. the one woman show was fine. For what it was, it sold out like when it was at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, it had like 20 performances and all of them sold out and she's touring across the country with this show. Um, And so clearly, you know, like people, people are behind it. They're, they're, you know, enjoying it. People it, for sure. I mean, she got a standing ovation um, at the performance. But to me, I'm like, this is this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And that's fine. And I sat and I watched the show and it it's interesting. I had just done the cares for kids radio a thon. So I had just spent two full days at work hearing horrific stories about babies in the NICU Oof, and, yeah. you know, like five-year-olds who had leukemia and are currently battling. And how do you remain a kid while you're also a patient? And so like, maybe I had had enough, you know, for the, for the yeah, time, totally. But so it got me thinking about this. This is a long story to get to this part, Tucker, but I've had a lot of celebrity encounters, and some are great and some are not so great. And I want to preface this by saying most of the time when I meet somebody who would be constituted as a celebrity, I never want to take up their time. Like I would never go up to someone who's eating.
1: Yeah. And
0: ask to like take a photo
1: and stuff like that. Well, For for me, it really is just the fact that I saw them out in the world. That's interesting to me. Right. Um, The only time I typically will approach a celebrity is if, you know, either the event is one where you can do that or you can see they're kind of doing that for a lot of people and they're cool with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they've, you see, they already signed on otherwise. Yeah. Especially if they were with family or something, I would never want to, I would just hate it. I would uh, to say what hi, all right, bye. Um, but uh, yeah, but you have had a ton, ton of celebrity run-ins.
0: Yes, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna lie.
1: I am a, uh, I'm a fanboy, right? Like you must have a favorite encounter. I'm guessing I, we're gonna hear it.
0: Yes, and so I thought I would, I thought I would go this. I will do a good one and then a bad one and kind of okay. bounce back and forth a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I think I've got, I think I've
1: got both good and bad as well to share.
0: And like some of these, like when I say they're bad, it's not because the celebrity was a bad person. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's like they're like, it's like, come on. Like, you know, yeah, I, you again, you should be so lucky that I want, you know, I, I would I would like to meet you, you know, but sometimes it's just like, for example, uh, not to jump too far ahead, but like I think of you and I have both had interactions with Steve Martin. Yep. And Steve Martin, notoriously private guy, right? Yeah. yeah. And when I met him walking his dogs backstage at WeFest, I kind of gave him like, a oh, hello. And he put his head down and just kind of kept walking. And I don't think of that as a bad, like, he's not a bad person, but like, it was a disappointing encounter for me, for sure. Um. OK, so let me talk to you about one of my all time favorite celebrity encounters. So there's a guy named Kyle Cease and Kyle Cease kind of had the, the big run in his career was in the late 90s teen comedies. So it, most notably, if you ever saw the movie Ten Things I Hate About You, he is um David Krumholtz is like character's nemesis he's the snooty guy who gets david krumholtz kicked out of a group of friends and so to get back at him they make all these flyers that this guy's having a huge party at his house and so all of these people show up for a party and he's not prepared for it and so it's i mean it's a small role small role but i get to meet uh, him after he does a stand up set at, uh, the improv in LA. And he's really cool. He's engaging with us. He's asking us where we, we, you know, where we're from. We're like, Oh, we're from Fargo. And he said, Oh, you know, like, is it your first time in Los Angeles? I said, yeah, this is the first time I've ever been to LA. And he goes, okay, here's some great places to see celebrities that nobody really talks about. And one of them was Mel's diner, which is the famous diner that was featured in the movie. Um, uh american graffiti and he goes it's a great place like around midnight like celebrities after the bar will go there and get pancakes and like it's it's pretty cool and the staff are you know pretty cool because they're not fangirling and it's just it's like if you want to see celebs in their actual like line and then all of a sudden he pulls this guy over and i was like oh my god i recognize this guy and this is at a time when the show um Freaks and Geeks is actually on television, which I think, by the way, Freaks and Geeks, one of the all time best shows. Like, it's so good. It's so funny. They do such a great job portraying, you know, these people like these stereotypes from high school and stuff like that. So he pulls this guy over and he's like, oh, this is my buddy, Sam. His name is Sam Levine, and he's on Freaks and Geeks right now. He just made uh, not another teen movie. And so we're like, oh, that's awesome. And so we're just chatting with them. And they were just as intrigued as we were like getting to meet them because they're like, you're from Fargo, North Dakota, huh? I don't think I've ever met someone from North Dakota and we have a great back and forth, just awesome. And Sam Levine says, if you ever meet Joe, cause I was like, I'm an improv guy and he goes, Oh, Joe Flaherty who was on freaks and geeks, you know, was part of SCTV. And I said, Oh yeah, I know who Joe Flaherty is. He goes, if you ever meet Joe Flaherty, Tell him Sam Levine says hello and to tell him tell you about the cabbage story. Well, ironically, it was like two months later that I bump into Joe Flaherty at Second City in Chicago, and I was like, Sam Levine says to tell you to tell me the and he finishes, he goes, the cabbage story. And he tells this like funny story about how they kept uh, like Sam Levine kept getting cabbage, like in all of the salads and everything that they're making for him at like craft services. And he didn't think about it. And then like after the fifth day of like straight cabbage, he finally said like, what's the deal with all the cabbage?" And they're like, well, Joe Flaherty told us about how you need the cabbage or you become flatulent. (laughs) And It was just it's a funny little side story that you would never imagine. It's like, you know, oh, like Sam Levine is telling us how to get this behind the scenes story. So that was that was one of my better celebrity encounters where I just felt like I wasn't a fan. I just happened to meet some cool people and have a conversation. And, uh, I thought, I thought that one was awesome. And I will, I, I joined Kyle cease has like a, 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 a motivational speaker like series. And so I, I follow that. I signed up like he will, I will forever be a fan of Kyle cease because of that interaction. And you know what? It might not mean anything, but you know what, if he does one of those every single month. Like you are building a fan base, right? You're becoming known. And yeah, I have totally. told this story in on countless mediums about how cool Kyle Cease is. And I'm hoping some some of it gets back to him a little bit so that he understands that taking some time to talk to like two 20 year old guys who didn't mean squat, but like gave us a real thrill.
1: Yeah, you just got to keep putting those vibes out into the universe and yeah. he will get back to you. He'll hit you back. So
0: tell me about one of your celeb encounters over the years.
1: Well, when I was doing the poker show, I had a number of them. Um, And so I, I don't I'm trying to think if there was really a moment that stood out amongst the others as being more positive than the rest. But Jennifer Tilly was just always amazing to interact with. We had James Woods on the show one day. He was really nice to. Everybody, we all took photos of them and stuff. Uh, he brought someone who I thought was his daughter. Turned out, wasn't. Mm, interesting. Um, fun. <laughs> um, But I'd say, gosh. Well, one of the worst celebrity encounters I've had was with Steve Martin. In fact, that's probably the absolute worst one. And and that is just for exactly the reason why you said is like he's actually just really private and shy and doesn't want to talk to most people. And I... Don't blame him for that at all. Um, it was, again, in like a poker setting. And I was under the impression that all of the stuff that we were doing with him on camera was something that he had like signed up for. Turns out he 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 he, he wasn't up for it. So, like, we had been told, hey, there's going to be a private poker game tonight before this tournament tomorrow, this charity tournament. And Phil Helmuth is going to host this little private game and Steve Martin's going to be at it. And they have vocated to have cameras there and stuff. And so. So yeah, so you guys can film there. So for a couple of hours, me and my coworker, we both just kind of shot footage of Steve Martin playing poker at this small table. Um, and it wasn't like in a private room somewhere. It was kind of out on the floor. So you could see it as people walk past, but it was roped off. And, uh, I can't remember how we heard this info, how it got back to us, but like Steve Martin was actually just there to learn how to play poker (laughs) Uh, from Phil Hellmuth, like just take a couple of lessons from him. He'd played before and he wanted to, he was going to play in the fundraiser tournament the next day, but he didn't think he was going to be like doing any media or anything like that. So when the cameras came out, he just, he just like totally clammed up and, uh, I remember thinking, why is he covered in white hair? Because his jacket had just nothing but like, it looked like white cat hair all over it. Um, And I was hoping that at a minimum, I could, I wasn't going to try to get a photo with him or anything. But I thought going into this, okay, he signed up to do this thing with us. So he's going to be cool with taking photos with people and stuff because we thought he was kind of working. But he wasn't. And uh, I asked Fred Bevel if he'd quick introduce me and just say I wanted to say hello, because I had just directed you actually in a play that he had adapted called The Underpants. And I was hoping to be able to just, hey, uh, just directed The Underpants. It was a lot of fun. Hey, thanks for writing that. Take care. And that was that was going to be it. Um, And so Fred introduced me, said, hey, Steve, this is Tucker, one of our. Uh, producers, uh, he actually just directed your play, The Underpants, and Martin, like, said, oh, hello, and I reached out to shake his hand, and he shook my hand, but it was, like, the, uh, like, the limpest, weakest, not wanting to shake your hand at all handshake I've ever had, and then he just, he just bolted, like, he just left as quick as he could, and I was like, oh, okay. I felt bad for the guy, because here, he thought he was just going to be, like, kind of flying under the radar, and Suddenly, we were like throwing cameras in his face and stuff, but it was weird.
0: It it, like, you know, an interesting piece of of celebrity encounters is how we we kind of go through the conversations in our mind, right? Like, okay, I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna be, you know, my go to is always like when I meet a comedian or someone who I known i I've known for comedic performances is to say like, thanks for the laughs. You know, to like sure. say like, hey, you you brought me you brought great joy into my life. And I appreciate it. Thank you very much for that. Um,
1: You know, the only celebrity, if I saw them eating with their family that I would that I would approach would be Bert Kreischer. Um, oh, really? Because, because he is so open about how much he fucking loves being a celebrity and how much. He loves talking to fans. So he's like the only person I could see going just even just saying like, hey, Bert, how's it going? Like and walking past him. He would be totally cool with it. And okay,
0: I also want to say like that is like you sign up for that as part of your job. You know, like when when you are if you, if your desire is to be rich and famous and be in movies and television shows, that is part of the job is that you are giving up a certain amount of privacy to, right. to have this. It sucks. Like that's a suck. It's just like, if you're a dentist and people come over to your house and call you like on Christmas and be like, can you come over and help me <laughs> with this? I know you're a dentist and I know it's the weekend, but can you come because you're a dentist, you can help me. So I know for a fact that like that every every job has some kind of, you know, messed messed up, like, you know, balance to it. And in this case, the balance is is that people want to come up and say hi and talk to you and be a part of what you've got going on.
1: Well, JJ, as a local celebrity, how do you handle it when that happens to you?
0: You know, I'm very lucky in the sense that, like most of my encounter. First of all, I love, I love, I love talking to someone who enjoys, you know, listening to my show. I love interacting with people. Um, it's a blast. The the my problem is is that I probably don't know how to end the conversation correctly, and so you know, you'll ask all your questions, and I'll ask you some questions. I always make it a point when someone comes up, and like, "Hey, I love your show. It's awesome." I always say like, oh, thank you very much. And, and what's your name? And so they're like, oh, Brian. And I try and say their name back to them to let them know that, yes, like we're having an interaction and I'm not just, you know, here you go. All right. All right. Good to see you. Bye bye. But, you know, like, Brian, OK, thanks. You know, where where do you listen? Oh, at work. Where do you work? Um, to me, I think that that is an important part of the interaction is being able to have that. And then a lot of times, uh, like I'll bring the interaction onto my show. One of my favorite uh, like line benders interactions was when I was working at the Fargo Theater and uh, I had just taken over the line benders maybe like two years earlier. And a guy came up to me at the Fargo Theater while I was slinging popcorn and said, "I, uh, I am the theater professor from VCSU. And I said, oh, very nice to meet you. He goes, Phil Goodell was one of my students. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we love Phil. And he goes, I saw a recent line show that you guys did. And I'm like, oh, well, thank you so much for coming. Appreciate it. Uh, what would you think of the show? And he goes, you'll probably get better ow right and i was <laughs> like oh that one cut to the core <laughs> and so of course i told phil goodell about it later and i was like well you're you're uh your college like you know theater professor and he goes yeah listen if it's not shakespeare i don't think that that guy really cares for you know stuff too much and i'm like oh that's good because i w- i was ready to just call it quits <laughs> and he goes no, no 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 it's 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 just the way it is um, another one of my favorite celebrity encounters is the night that I fell into a den of celebrities and it just like you could not have asked for more. So in Los Angeles on the same trip where I met Kyle Cease, we, uh, Jared and I went to a second city show, but it wasn't their traditional show. It was a show called looped where a bunch of alums get together and they play old black and white movies And they provide new dialogue for the characters. And it's very, you know, mystery science theater like, except for there's none. They don't play any of the sound or anything. They're providing all of the uh, all of the dialogue. And then someone's playing the piano along with it. And what they've done is they've watched it the night before so that they've got a feeling and they can kind of assign roles. And apparently this started at like in the 80s. This was like a really fun thing that they did at Bernie Brillstein's house. Now, Bernie Brillstein was one of like the SNL gods, and he goes on to be one of the most powerful agents in Hollywood, like represented like everyone who was a comedian. They're like, Bernie Brillstein is the guy who made this happen. He's amazing. So they would go over to Bernie Brillstein's house. And the thing was, is when they were struggling actors, like these are some of the, like the top names in comedy. He and his wife would always make dinner and they would have dinner and then they would play this game where they watched old movies and they would fill in the dialogue and it became so popular that they started doing it at the second city. So, uh, we go to the show called looped and the theater itself maybe has seating for 25. It's very small hole in the wall theater on top of that. They're like, well, we only have two tickets left to the show. Would you like? And we're like, sure. And they said, okay, well, the show's going to start in an hour, but the doors are open if you want to go in. So we go in, it's all folding chairs. You know, there's just a a projection screen. And in front of us, like the people who sit in front of us, because of course we're from the upper Midwest, so we will not sit in the front row, but we'll sit in the second row. So we're sitting in the second row and, um, this woman sits in front of us and we're like, we know, like, I recognize her. I know I do. And we realize, oh my God, it's Edie McClurg, who was the secretary in Ferris Bueller's day off. She was the marathon counter woman, uh, Gobble Gobble from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I mean, without, we had just seen her in a David Spade movie called Dickie Roberts, former child star. I mean, this woman held her own and worked with the greatest of greats. You know, the scene that she does in planes, trains and automobiles is against Steve Martin doing the, you know, like dropping like 30 F-bombs and then she doubles back and just like crushes it. So we tap her on the shoulder and we're like, hey, just wanted to tell you, like, you know, thank you so much. She turns around. She's like, oh, thank you. You know, yeah. um, You know, it, what, uh, what what, are you guys here to see? And we're like, well, we're really excited to see this looped show. And she's like, I know. Can you believe who they got for the show that night? And it was a bunch of really big uh, second city people plus the uh, Dan Castellaneta who does the voice of Homer Simpson Ooh, nice. was going to be doing the show. And our tickets were like five bucks. There's like, we paid nothing for this. And so she happened to be there with uh, some friends of hers from out of town, her friends from out of town. They finally said, like, so where are you from? And we're like, Oh, we're from Fargo, North Dakota. They're like, we're from Moorhead, Minnesota. And so we're like, oh, my God. And so now we've got something to, like, keep us connected. Right. We've got that one thing that you need with a celebrity, which is you've got something that's not just about you watching them on screen, something different. So they start talking. And so a guy and his wife sit down next to Edie McClurg, And she, she's like, she's like, Paul, the this is JJ and this is Jared. And they're from Fargo, uh, North Dakota. And he goes, oh. I played a character on PBS named Fargo, North Dakota, and on a, on a show called MathNet, and I'm like, "Oh my god!"
1: <laughs> Paul Dooley,
0: Paul Dooley, who's famous for being in um, all of the Christopher Guest movies. He uh, in Sixteen Candles. He was in Strange Brew. Like, so we're talking with him and having a great time. And so then somebody sits down behind us and Paul Dooley goes, Paul, Paul, come meet these guys. And so he goes, this is Paul Sills, Paul Sills, who is one of the founders of second city itself, like was one of the original cast when second city started in Chicago. And so we're going, Oh my God, this can't be happening. This is too good to be true. And we're going to see Dan Castellaneta do do like voice work tonight. So we sit there. The show goes on. It's one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. And it's too bad that they can't find a way to make that. Like, I'm sure there's copyright issues and stuff like that. But this is the type of show that really was the dawn of mixed medium. You know, okay. like using that opportunity, it was just, it was out of this world. It was so good. And at the end of the night, it, like the only thing that we are mad about is we had just been to Universal Studios and we used up all the film that we had.
1: And oh, this is age sure. before
0: digital cameras. It's before cell yeah. phone cameras. And so that only lives in my memory. And <laughs> it was... It was amazing. It was so good. It was that was a night when I'm just like, these people are amazing. And I will also go to my grave talking about how generous and kind with their time these people were because they didn't have to talk to us. I mean, we we spent half an hour before the show just chatting and talking about different things. And, you know, he talked about like when he played that Fargo, North Dakota, it was like a detective noir parody and he said you know it was it was great because it was just people getting together to make something and yeah there's I remember no pomp and circumstance and I'm just like oh my god this is amazing
1: God I remember Mathnet and watching watching Mathnet on PBS <laughs> right and it's
0: like Mathnet was such a simple show that clearly has had long legs mm-hmm. including me getting to meet uh Paul Dooley and like, that's the closest I think I've ever been to uh, Christopher Guest. You know, like, I mean, I'm just I'm barely removed from Christopher Guest in a lot of ways, you know, by talking with him. That was that was just. Oh, it was stellar. It was so you good. Should, I loved love
1: you. It. should You should talk about uh, the time at the Fargo Theater Film Festival when you were in you and Phil Lund. We were like in charge of showing the town to that guy from The Sopranos. What was his name?
0: Oh, Dave. Uh, well, not Dave. He did not want to be called Dave. Uh, he was very specific about his name, was David uh, from The Sopranos. Uh, what was. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll find it. Because he was dating a woman who's originally from. Um, she's originally from. Uh, oh, God. From Detroit Lakes. And okay. so when he was in a film that was here they were offered like, Hey, we'll fly you up. If you want to be a celebrity who attends our film festival. And he was like, Oh sure. That, you know, that's, that's fine. So they got a free trip up here and he was able to like, they could go and visit uh, her family and everything like that. So um, I work at the Fargo film festival at this time. And it's, I mean, it's, it's great. You know, like I had a ton of fun every single time that we did anything film festival related, but it takes a lot out of you, right? Like that's the thing is the Fargo film festival is draining. It is five days of nonstop work um, yeah. through the whole time. And so one of the things that the Fargo film festival never really got a good handle on was like, like uh relations with big names that they brought in. Right. Right. So, right. They never really understood. Like they're like, here's the lunch coupon. <laughs> But like there was no <laughs> conversation of like, well, how are you going to get them from, you know, point A to point B, you know, like there's a lot of stuff that just goes in into it and they didn't uh, think it through. And so they said, JJ, do you know anyone who would be willing to drive David? And then his girlfriend's name was Lisa down to DL for the day. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I got I got a guy. No problem. I'll find it. Uh David Preval was his name. David Preval. Preval. He's on ten okay. episodes of he played Richie April. Yeah. Um, and amongst that, like other things, he was in Mean Streets, The Phantom. Oh my God, that's right. He's in UHF with Weird Al. Yeah. He's the, one of the thugs. So anyway, so they're like, Would you find something? So I call Phil up and I'm like, Hey, listen, do you want to drive Richie April <laughs> uh, to Detroit Lakes today? And Phil's like, Yeah, but I don't have a car and I'm supposed to be at work. And I was like, Quit your job um and so phil took my car and drove richie april where was to, he working at the time you know i i don't know i mean cl- here's the thing whatever it was it clearly wasn't worth it and he made it he made it work he was it was awesome he was good you know like that's the one amazing thing about phil is phil's always up for an adventure like he knows fun is on the other side of saying yes especially <laughs> at that point in his life shout out to phil lund so Phil drives him down there and like, I'm, I'm waiting because I've got shifts at the Fargo theater. So I can't go and I'm jealous. And I'm like, how was it? And he goes, he goes, it was great. He wanted to sit in the front seat with me. Uh, you know, we went to these places and he made a comment about how they were driving up and like, like behind Robert's alley. And uh. he goes, you could make a movie here that's set in New York. This looks just like New York. You don't have to shoot in New York. This looks enough like you know one of the neighborhoods that you could make a movie here and so uh we're like yeah why don't they make more movies here but at one point uh i called him dave and he got upset he was he's like david and i was like you only have to tell me once mr april i will not make (laughs) the mistake again um but he was really nice he took some he took photos he was really cool I didn't meet him cause I was out of town, but Ernie Hudson came to the Fargo theater and Ernie Hudson was cool enough to sign a picture of me, not him, a picture of me that said to my favorite marshmallow man, I know who I'm going to call JJ Busters, your friend, Ernie Hudson. And uh, I'll, I'll hold on to that one. That'll be one that I hold on to for the rest of my life. I, that's a, that's a really great one. And like, Uh, because Prairie was working at the time. And so she was cool enough to like get him to do some signatures for us. Also, this is one of those, you got to respect this guy. So Ace freely from kiss was doing a solo show at the Fargo theater. Deathly ill with the flu doesn't cancel the show, but has us put a garbage can on both sides of the, of the stage. And what would happen is his band knew that if he kind of like started walking towards the end of the stage, they would just jam for a little bit. And so they added extra, you know, little beats and moments and stuff, but he would walk off stage, puke his guts out and come right back on stage Ooh. and continue with the show. He was a like one of those performers. Like he was literally sleeping as hard as he could in his tour bus until five minutes before the show came out you would never know that he was sick watching that show. And then he still was cool enough after the show. I mean, you could tell he's ready to collapse, but he took a picture with the Fargo theater staff. And that was, that was a really cool moment. Like to say like, Hey, listen, we we, thank you. I know the last thing you want to do right now is to hang out with a bunch of of 20 somethings, except for maybe Sabrina, um, who was really fangirling that day and was like, it brought a kiss album for him to sign and everything. But it was, Like those were still and like when you add up the list over the years of like Lisa Welchel, who I met from uh, who was in the show, The Facts of Life, met her on the street with our friend Randy just randomly. She was doing uh, like a survey uh, for people asking about homeschooling because she ended up writing a bunch of homeschooling books herself. And she took a photo with us and was very giving and awesome with her time. All the people I met through Second City, Uh, Andy Dick proved himself to be an actual dick. Uh, He was not very (laughs) courteous. Neither was Mike Myers at the I.O. uh, 25th anniversary special. But like, uh, you know who was Uh, Amy Poehler and all the members of the UCB were amazing that day. Andy Richter. Out of this moon, nice guy. So nice. Horatio Sands, stoned out of his gourd. So he just kept giggling every moment that we were with him. Um, it was like those are good times. They were excellent, excellent, excellent. So I I really you know, I've I've had some lucky moments to like interact with people that, you know, have celebrity status in one way, shape, or form. Certainly, like with my job, I've talked to people who are pol- you know, like high up on the political spectrum. And some of those people are interesting to talk to. <laughs> you can tell who's genuine and who's not so genuine. That's yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, I've just, I've had a chance to talk to some really fun people. And like, I've worked myself up on conversations for things that I know I would have if I ever met like a particular person. So for example, I have about 15 questions I would ask if I ever got to meet Dan Aykroyd. Sure. and What was that? I said, sure. Right. You know, like talk about like, hey, listen, you've been involved in all of this stuff. Let me ask you about this. And I want to ask him about like some of his more obscure stuff. Like there's a movie called Neighbors that he did with John Belushi that they, you know, essentially like I think Universal made it like they try and bury that movie because it's so weird. And it's not a bad movie when you watch it, but I think, like, the week before filming, John Belushi, like, the movie's been written about, like, hey, it's this, like, straight-laced dude. These total weirdos move in next door and start, like, ruining this guy's life by how odd they are and how suburban he is. And it was clearly written for Dan Aykroyd to be the straight-laced suburban guy and John Belushi to be the wacky neighbor. And, like, a week before filming, they're like, let's switch roles. And they're like, but, 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 but John Belushi doesn't get to be wacky and weird. And they're like, yep, I know. Yep. We're going to be fine. Um, so yeah, I've just got, I got stuff. I got stuff I want to know, you know? And like, uh, I also love taking a picture with celebrities. I don't know why. I just, I always have a good time with that. Um, surprisingly, you know who else was really down to earth and who was really nice? Dane Cook. Dane Cook at the height of his stardom waited and uh, was awesome after a show. You know what? I want you to tell your Larry the Cable Guy story because that's another great celebrity encounter.
1: Yeah, uh, Larry the Cable Guy did. He did a what's it? I think it's just called a, a twofer when they do two performances in one night or something. Um, he did like a like a eight or a nine PM show and then he did. Like, like a late show, like an 11 p.m. show or something at the Fargo Theater. I can't remember. But I was one of the two guys hired to <laughs> be literally security at his show. <laughs> it was me and another dude, neither of us who should have been working security in any way, shape, or form. And the only thing they had us do is they had us sitting on either side of the stage, uh, off the stage, in front of those, like, curtained areas that can take you backstage. Yeah. they just wanted us sitting right there so that no one would go back that way uh we weren't like they weren't worried about people approaching the stage or anything um i remember at one point he mentioned us but i can't remember how he brought it up but he brought it up at some some point about us sitting there being his uh being his security detail uh but then yeah after the show he came out into the lobby and he stayed until Every single fan that had stuck around wanted a photo, who wanted an autograph, and he he treated them, treated each single person like he was really happy to see them. And his tour bus was waiting outside, ready to go, but he just kept going. So I got my photo with uh, Larry the Cable Guy, and he was really, really cool.
0: Isn't it awesome when like you see someone who like literally goes the extra mile for everybody?
1: Yeah, well, and then and then there was when I was working at the Fargo Theater um, through Prairie, she got me uh, a chance to to meet George Carlin really quickly, you know, shake his hand, take a photo with him uh, backstage at the show he was doing at the Fargo Theater. And so I knew that, you know, he was about to go on, that this wasn't going to be any kind of big interaction. I just was taken aback by how uh, when I met him, how small he was physically. I just wasn't expecting it, you know, I mean, and I'm a short guy and he was smaller than me and shook his hand. And I could tell by shaking his hand that he was pretty weak, that he was, he was fairly aged at that moment. Um, And we took a photo and then I went back out to the lobby and then every once in a while, I'd kind of peek in through the balcony. You know, hey, how's the show going? Because I was running concessions and uh, he was on stage And the crowd was liking the show, but he was reading everything off of a notebook on a music stand in front of him. And he was kind of going through it like, oh, here's some more jokes. And you you could tell I had seen him just a few years prior at the Civic Center. And that was, you know, that was Carlin at the pinnacle of his career where he was just selling out stadiums left and right. You know, he was doing his HBO specials and everything. And he was. The, that sort of classic high energy George Carlin. And this one was, he barely left the the podium he was at. And I could just tell at that moment, I was like, this is the last time he's coming to Fargo. Sure. Um, just because he was so, you know, you could tell he was old, he was tired. He was probably trying to pay some bills or something just to, just to get that done. But he was very nice. Um, I, I was excited. I was happy to have gotten to, Shake his hand at least once and take a photo with him. It it was very, very special to me. I met um uh, uh Walter Koenig, who played Checkoff on the original Star Trek uh through my boss Rudy Sigmund at the time when I worked at Videoland. And so I have a photo with him and I still have his foam coffee cup that he drank out of. Um held on to that because I forgot to get an autograph.
0: But you, so, but you have a little bit of his DNA, which is always.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think if it's still if it's still in there. Well, so with that that item, after I had that, I thought, wouldn't this be great if I could get a bunch of celebrities, big and small, to sign it who were associated with science fiction in some way? Mm, uh, sure, that'd be that'd be a lot of fun, and maybe it would turn this object into more of a fun object with a fun story behind it. So the first time I was going to try to get that to happen was when Bruce Campbell was in town, and he was promoting his book, and I think Bubba Hotep was was also touring, so I think that toured with him. Um, And I was like, okay, I'm going to have Bruce Campbell sign this thing, and he'll be the first, you know, sort of smaller celebrity who's associated with sci-fi in that 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 fandom. And then they announced over the loudspeakers that he would only be signing Bruce Campbell, like official Bruce Campbell merchandise. So if you had one of his movies or if you had bought his book from him, he'll sign that for you. And I'm like, Oh, well that sucks, but okay. So I bought his book there and then I was in line, uh, hanging out with the uh, Amber Ray at that time. And it was one of those things where he was being really nice and personable to every person who came through the line as he was signing autographs. And I wasn't expecting to have any kind of crazy interaction with the guy. It just, I was going to say, Hey, thanks. Thanks for coming to Fargo. I appreciate it, appreciate it, man. And then, and then walking away. Um, but I could see it in his face right as I walked up to him and I was towards the end of the line. He ran out of juice. He, he, I think he hit a wall. He was like, oh my God, I've talked to so many people today. And he would just talked to Amber. And then after that, he was like, (laughs) it's just like the facade came crumbling down and he'd run out of things to say. And so I walk up and I just say, hey, thanks for coming to Fargo, man. Appreciate it. And he goes, yeah. uh, And I just, I look at him scanning the room for something to talk about. And he looks at the Marge statue and I, I, I should have said, oh, it's okay. You don't need to say anything, man. I appreciate it that I, you know, you, you've had a long day. I wish I could have interjected and said, you have had a long day. Mr. Campbell, don't even worry about it. I appreciate you coming. Thank you. He looks over at the carving, the wood carving of the Marge from Fargo statue we have at the Fargo theater. And he goes, so Marge, huh? And I turn and I look at Marge and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And he goes, I wonder how they got it here. And I said, probably like in a truck or something. And then he signed my book and that was it. That was my conversation with Bruce Campbell. It it could have ended earlier.
0: I think one of the interesting parts of that story is it was later that night that he randomly goes to the frying. Well, not randomly. He was invited to the frying pan and then showed up by himself and just hung out at the
1: frying pan. Yeah. Well. Heck yeah! I mean, I think he got a free breakfast out of it, free meal well, out of it. Something,
0: you know. That's uh, if you're Bruce Campbell, that's the most you could
1: probably ask for, right? I, you just know, I miss yourself- those days of the frying pan. I miss the old frying pan. The new one, patui.
0: I don't I right? like the new frying pan at all. Exactly. That's what like, I just said. I I, yeah. I think that your use of the word patui. Is just sort of like, you're like, you know what? I just don't care for the new frying pan, but I hate the new frying pan. (laughs) I hate everything about it. I've had every, every time I've been there, something bad has happened. And I really don't like the guy who manages it because he's a jerk. (laughs) Um, and he's always been mean to me. Pat is his name. (laughs) And I don't know why he's always been so needlessly rude to me. Um, I've never thrown up in his bathroom.
1: I've never like, <laughs> yeah, you never like I hopped all over his place. Right.
0: Exactly. Like I understand the, ma- the, trust me, the people at IHOP can be mad at me, but there's no reason that Pat should be mad at me. Not none whatsoever. Um, maybe <laughs> I'll give him another chance one day, but probably not.
1: I wish we had the Polaroid that they took a fill and put up there for that. Yeah.
0: It's, I mean, that would be good. Um, I just saw that, it like in
1: my his, camera roll the other day I have a photo of him like in his underwear getting dressed <laughs> really yeah was he living with Davy at one point is it the
0: photo that was up on hot or not.com
1: <laughs> yeah I think so <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. yeah I had some good times at that apartment that those two guys shared I had some really good times at that apartment um I also, I've also had good times at uh, places that you've lived as well. So,
1: um, so, so, okay. So in the realm then of our favorite celebrity encounters, we're miss, we're missing someone really, really, really important. And that is Fargo's own Tim Casper. Oh, of course. Right. I mean, talk about celebrity.
0: I mean, right? it's it's weird because do I call it an encounter with him? Because technically like, I mean, he was, you know, he was like a babysitter at one point in my childhood. I grew up with Tim Casper before he was the Tim Casper and just a Tim Casper. <laughs> one of many Tim Caspers. Yeah. One none of them of whom were, were different than the other. Right. Like I, I knew him then. Um. So, but I will say this. It is a thrill every time I'm in the same room as Ryan. My God. If you're talking about blenders hierarchy, oh so it's I for think you he, it, I think he gives the most to his to his
1: fans. So you're saying for you it's Ryan and then Tim?
0: I mean Alan is great. And he's just, I, you know, so he's so courteous. In fact, you know, I, I mean I like I like both well, of them. On the
1: scale of who you want to hang out with for say a lunch. Yeah. What, which blenders do you want to hang out with? the most well, it's probably what? pat
0: it's probably pat casper oh we're gonna include him no no it's tim it's 100 tim it's always gonna be tim
1: tim's your number one
0: tim tim is tim is my number one i and i'll tell you why because tim keeps asking to be back on this podcast again and so we've got to make that happen but tim can quote the simpsons mm. like there's no tomorrow and that's tim. what you want you want a you want a guy who knows his Simpsons. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Just so good, so good. Okay, um, as we wrap this one up, if you encounter me out and about, I would be happy to sign anything you want. I'll take a picture. If you want me to record a video for your mom talking about a a recipe or something like that, I will gladly do it for you. Anywhere except for a bathroom. I will not. Be engaged in a bathroom. I it's awkward for me. No matter what, I don't know what to say, and I'm always wondering, like, are you finishing or just starting? That's gonna wrap it up for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us continue to produce new episodes each week, visit jjmeetsworld.com where you can donate to our Patreon, pick up some swag at the merch shop, or follow our link to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all the sites the cool kids are using these days. JJ Meets World is produced every week by Tucker Lucas. You can find out more about Tucker's work by visiting moonbasemaria.com. If you want to get in touch with your host with the most, check out linebenders.com, where you can find direct contact info for JJ or booking information. I think the worst celebrity encounter I ever had was when I met Whoopi Goldberg, um... But then it turned out to not be Whoopi Goldberg, so that actually made it better.